Welcome to How the Fuck Did You Get So Confident? My name is Rebecca, and this is the podcast where I interview my friends and peers to figure out, well, how the fuck they got to be so confident. In this episode, I Skype with casting director Tiffany Little Canfield. We discuss the benefits of having true belief in process and how that allows you to take more risks, what the 85-15 rule is, remembering that everything is a learning experience, and so much more. This is How the Fuck Did You Get So Confident? with guest Tiffany Little Canfield. Hi! Hi! Thanks for doing this with me. No problem. Okay, so I guess my first question for you is like, what is confidence to you? Some people described it as resilience, grit, um, curiosity. So what does that mean to you? I think or what gives me confidence is a true belief in process. And what that allows me is to not be afraid of being wrong because I'm going to be learning. This is a process. So I don't feel like I have to defend myself or front because it's okay for me to not know everything for me to be wrong. And because I'm always going to be trying to learn. And so I, and, and that, so I guess believing in process. That's it. That's really, that's really good. Do you consider yourself a confident person now? I do. I used to always think I had kind of two sides, one really confident and one really insecure. Um, and I feel like I have, um, like confident in my work and then personally like insecure, you know, like about my looks or dating and right. stuff, you know? Yeah. So, I think that um, I've definitely come to terms with that um, and, and, and kind of have learned as I've gotten older how to accept myself and how I look. And, and, and that has, um, I've been able to let go of a lot of that insecurity, I would say. Yeah. Were you a confident kid, like growing up? Again, it was weird. I, then I really wasn't because, you know, I was born with a cleft lip. So I had something like four surgeries. Oh, through wow. my, I was pretty shy and I did not. I was very distrustful of other kids. I did experience bullying, but I also just wasn't interested. It was weird. and so, But I had a lot of confidence in my ability at school. A lot of confidence in school in terms of academically, but I had very little confidence socially. That sounds really hard as a kid. And you had surgeries while you were a kid or yes. when you were adult, while you were a kid? Like six months old and then kindergarten, fifth grade and seventh grade. Wow. And also in doing these conversations, um, a lot of people talk about how middle school was like the worst time in their life due to like bullying and like that is when they were their least confident. And then on top of just like being an adolescent, you had this extra thing. How did you like, what did you do in those moments to like come back from whatever bullying you experienced? Well, it's really weird. At first, I, I very much retreated and I just didn't engage. And I had siblings and stuff, so I really had a social situation at home, you know, yeah. like, so I feel like I needed to engage with kids at school. And often they would, in fact, invite me to birthday parties and stuff, and I wouldn't want to go. Like, I, I, I wasn't afraid of being bullied. I just had no interest. So I kind of retreated. 
and then develop my personality amongst my family. And then suddenly in junior high, it's like something snapped and I just suddenly became super outgoing. I, I was kind of, I think, I don't think I bullied, but I think that I used wit and humor to kind of, um, you know, it became kind of a joke that my nickname was the master of the sly retort. <laughs> And I think I got kind of developed, and it came with confidence. I think I just kind of stopped caring. Yeah, that's. I'm writing these things down, by the way. Yeah, yeah that one. That's huge. Stop not not caring anymore, as long as like you're in line with what is authentically you, in a sense. But still, like even knowing that in middle school, that's like very early to even know that. Yeah, I'm not sure why. I certainly felt pressure of clothes and haircut and things like that, like I think everybody does. But I also sort of felt like those rules don't really apply to me because I think I had so such low confidence about my looks because of my lip experience that I just thought that didn't really apply to me. Like I just sort of disengaged from it. Um, on some level, on some level, I, I played the game, but on some level, I, I kind of didn't really believe it would happen for me. Like it didn't matter if I did those things because right. it wasn't in any way. Right. Sort of. Did your parents instill confidence in you or if not, like, were there qualities that they wanted you to have? I had a lot of pressure academically. Mm. And I do, I do think that gave me confidence that my parents recognized that I that I was strong academically and I got quite a bit of um, positive feedback about that from teachers and from my parents. So, mm -hmm. and grandparents. So I think I felt like I know I'm smart. Yeah. And when did you find, so you graduated high school and then, and then what you found acting first, right? Yes. I had gone to school for acting um, to my high school was a performing arts. Got it. Agnet high school. So I performed a lot and then I started to perform kind of in the community. And then I went to a two year acting training program called PCPA, which is in the central coast of California. Did you develop more confidence acting? Did you, did you feel less confident? Did you like, how does confidence play into finding acting in the arts? Yeah. Actually, it's kind of the same thing. I've always had this real division, like really bad self-esteem in this way and then confidence in this way. And acting was the same. I, I had very strong confidence in my ability. My belief in the process was strong, but I really felt my looks were going to hold me back. Mm, that's so hard to balance that. That it feeling. was, but I think I developed a really strong work ethic that gave me so much confidence because in, in preparing mm. like, work, and you know, that was something I could control that had nothing to do with my looks. Right. So I was incredibly hardworking and loved it for preparation. And I had, you know, a lot of confidence in my ability mm. to be prepared and to walk into any rehearsal, any process, knowing that I'm going to be strong. What does preparation mean to, to you? Memorizing, breaking down the script. Uh, do you, yeah, you tell me. Yeah. 
memorizing, I'll be honest, I have merely a photographic memory. Oh, so jealous. Yeah, so it's definitely lines, but I didn't recognize that that was the case. So I thought I just worked harder than other people. Thought <laughs> that. And then there were just a couple of instances where I would have a situation where someone's scene partner didn't show up. So I would volunteer to read the scene with them and we'd read through it once and then we'd go up in front of the teacher. And of course, there were no expectations for me to be memorized and I didn't feel any pressure to be memorized because obviously I was just filling in, but I would know the scene after reading it once with the actor. And I would be surprised by that myself. Yeah, that I am jealous of that skill. And would be like, what just happened? How did, they would just think, I don't know. It just happened. So that's when I started to realize that I had a photographic memory and it wasn't just preparing, but to me, preparation to really answer your question is is trying to get into the head and the psychology of not just the character, but the playwright. What is the big picture? What, so, so doing research on the playwright, on the play, um, reading about famous productions of it, you know, cause when you're in college, usually you're working on, you know, you're not working on new material, you're working on classic plays and um, really trying to break down the script into playable beats and understand the psychology of the character. Yeah. Okay. So you go to theater school and then, and then you go into the, did you go into the New York city like theater scene as an actor or did you go in as oh, you went to, as a director? Oh, as a director, I actually um, finished my degree at North Carolina school of the arts in directing because I started to really, feel unsatisfied with acting. I felt like it was, I was getting cast. So I think as an actor, you always want to get cast, right? And that's your main goal. Right. That's how you, you have status amongst your peers, right? Is through getting cast. And I did get cast at PCPA and I got the status and I still wasn't happy. Mm. I still didn't feel that I could have enough of a role in basically making the show good. When I was an actor in the show, I couldn't, I didn't feel like um, I was really part of the important part of the collaboration that made a show successful. Even though I, it was fun acting and I certainly liked it um, and I liked the status that I had, but I did not feel satisfied. Mm. And so I had a wonderful teacher say to me, you think big picture as an actor and that's uncommon. And have you ever thought about directing? And I hadn't. And so then I transferred and, and even when I was first starting out as an assistant at college, you know, like assisting a show, I, I felt more involved in the part that seemed to make a bigger difference to me. Mm. Does it, do you think it has anything to do with like wanting to control the like end result of the production? Like wanting to have more hands on? Yes. Yeah. I, I wanted the shows to be like, if I was going to be working on a show, I wanted to feel some control over it working. Yeah. And being yeah. And, um, and as a director and as a casting director now, I do feel I have more I'm more involved in the process that is uh, ultimately what you see on opening night. Right. 
What made your switch from directing to being a casting director? Well, I'll be honest, I'd never even heard of casting as a career through all of my college. I'd heard of casting directors and casting directors came down to school at North Carolina School of the Arts and did a workshop, but I, I didn't, um, I didn't know what they did. To be honest, I didn't know the process. You know, regional theater uses, doesn't always use casting directors in the same way that, um, that like New York does, mm. right? It's more like the associate artistic director or something right. like that. And so when I got to New York, I didn't know how to get started being a director, but I knew that I needed to learn more about New York, not being from New York, not having any professional connections there, except for other actors that I knew who had gone to schools that I'd gone to. Um, so I, I got like kind of like an internship, although it technically wasn't an internship. I started to look for that and I was drawn to casting because it was the internship that seemed like I was most qualified for based on the requirements when I read all the internships. So then did you ever, once you, once you became a casting director, were you like, this is it. I feel completely like fully fulfilled in my, yeah. <laughs> yes, I did. And I thought at first when I started, I would use it to segue, um, which my mentor Heidi Marshall did. Um, but then once I started actually doing it, I really realized I, I want to continue to do this. And I, and I felt, I felt opportunities to um, segue. And I realized it wasn't what I wanted. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, is there, do you have a memorable moment of self doubt in that process, whether it was in New York or in LA or wherever? that you yeah. questioned maybe your abilities or your confidence in what you were doing? I would say no, not in terms of my abilities at what I was doing, because I believed that I was well-trained mm. for casting because I had a great education in classical American theater. And I felt like that was very much recognized and supported by Bernie Kelsey. Um, and I felt like I was seen, you know, mm -hmm. uh, as what I brought to the table. I will say that I struggled with self-confidence in telling my dean, who was my mentor as a director, that I had decided to pursue casting and not to pursue directing. I was afraid he'd be disappointed in me. Was he? No, he wasn't. Yeah. And, great. I think that's often the way it is when you finally have the conversation it's so different than you expected but for several years I was sort of afraid to tell him yeah. that I wanted to be a casting director yeah it's so funny how that works we like work it work it make it a bigger thing in our head and then we do it and it's like oh okay <laughs> um did you have any because you talk a little bit about confidence in the career realm and then confidence on a personal level do you, you said you have a little bit more of a hard time with confidence on a personal level or you did in your personal life, you did maybe not anymore. Um, I did. Yeah, no, I definitely did. And it, it was a real problem in my mid thirties, I would say. And when I say a problem, meaning I didn't find, you know, happiness in that sense, but also I was very motivated by work 
So it wasn't that huge an issue until I realized I want to have children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and I better start paying attention to this. And, and then it did happen. Um, it's sort of like once I realized and made it a priority, it sort of seemed to kind of happen. And, um, and since then I've been really, um, while there's been twists and turns, certainly in my personal life, I, I gained much more confidence. What do you, you what do you attribute that to? Just like prioritizing your wants and needs or like some people meditate therapy. It's really funny. I went to this nutritionist, um, Dr. Passer, because of course, you know, in New York, everyone, I think, or, or I felt like, oh, it's because I'm not skinny mm. that I, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there was this, the pressures of being a woman, the pressures. Oh, I know. So I went to a nutritionist thinking, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to get skinny and then I'm going to get what I want. Right. Right. And the nutritionist basically sat there with me and said, you know, we all, he has this like 8515 theory, he called it. And he said, what, when things have value to you, you pursue them and you have to stop saying I can't, or I have to, because you can, and you don't have to, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and he says, what tends to happen with human beings is if something has 85% value, of course, we're going to pursue it because it has value to us. However, we focus on the 15% negative and make ourselves unhappy. So he explained that, he likes to explain that using dating, right? And he said, who are you dating? You know, and I said, oh, I never date anyone. I never meet anyone I like. And if I do like them, they don't like me. And he said, well, that's not true. There's something, there's someone. And I had recently met a man that was friends with my younger brother but he was a great deal younger than me. So I was not interested in dating him, but he was pursuing me and, you know, and I was, I love talking to him online and stuff, but I refused to go on a date with him because he was younger than me. And he said, this is a perfect example. You're pursuing a relationship with him because you wouldn't even remember his name right now. If you weren't, you are messaging him. You are getting to know him but you're focusing on the 15% negative and you won't go on a date with him, but you are actually pursuing this. So why don't you just go on a date with him, recognize that you like him and see what happens. And if he ends up being immature, break up with him because then he's going to not have the 85% value, you know? And I was like, Oh my gosh, that's so true. I am pursuing this. And guess what? I called him that night. I went on a date and he's the father of my children. <laughs> so it's like, it, it's a little bit saying, do, following that nutritionist um, suggestion of really being honest with yourself about what you want and don't let something arbitrary or the 15% negative obsess you basically like accept it it's all about acceptance Mm, that's huge also ha this nutritionist is like actually also a therapist and this whole thing he's amazing yeah Yeah. like he's like a guru in my mind at this point um yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) um 
What about being a mother? Has that affected your confidence in any way? Um, it's taught me a lot, I think. Um, you know, I have a really weird work-life structure um, because I've never had a traditional um, job. You know, my mm -hmm. job is to five. Um, and even leaving New York and opening the LA office where I think in LA, it can be a little bit more nine to five because you um, don't go to the theater like you do in New York, but you still do go to the theater and you still have to watch a million hours of television and, and see films and all of those things. So it's always been non-traditional. And so I think um, there's always that issue of having it all and not having time to do everything perfectly well, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So I think that that has been, I don't know if it's knocked my confidence, but I think that it has, I do have moments of, um, gosh, am I doing anything well or mm -hmm. at my ability because I'm sort of drawn in different directions. Do you have any experience with like perfectionism or wanting things to be perfect? I really don't. I think I'm much more process oriented than yeah. it was. I think I don't believe perfectionism. That is, I was reading this article about like these seven things for confidence. And one was about non-attachment, like not being attached to the outcome, but just like doing it for the journey, for the process. Do you find yourself um, are you good at practicing non-attachment where like the result is what it, it is, what it is, but it's not about that. Yes, I think I am. How do you develop that? Um, I think that you ha have to be really straight up with yourself, what is in your control and what is not. And recognize that you're going to be learning that your main goal is learning is actually the process of learning. And once you realize that, then even a terrible experience is a learning experience, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Terrible, disappointing outcome doesn't take away from what you learned on it. You know, I recently had one, a show that I was very excited about. It just didn't find an, an audience. And while that makes me incredibly sad, at the same exact time, I am thrilled I had the opportunity to work on it. I learned so much. I'm so proud of my cast and everyone who was along for the journey. And I learned so much on that process that it can't be a negative. Mm -hmm. It's just not possible. Yes, of course, I'm disappointed in the outcome for everybody, but it doesn't affect my experience on that process. Right. How do you personally cultivate confidence or maybe it's not maybe it's maybe confidence isn't the right word how do you I guess how do you stay sane like do you go to therapy do you work out do you meditate like what are some of the things that you incorporate into your schedule to make sure like you're mentally on the right track I'm a huge extrovert so I I like to socialize a lot. I like to have dinner parties with really smart people. And I like to um, cook and drink wine and, and socialize. So it's really my main outlet, I would say. Um, I do work out currently 
it's not something that's been a big part of my life. Like I, I can't say it's something that like centers me. I don't think I'm always glad when I do it. Yeah. Um, but almost the reason I'm currently working out is because I found this socializing aspect of it. So now I'm looking forward to the socializing and then the byproduct is the working out. What? Yeah. I was going to say, how have you been dealing with, you know, COVID and being inside and not being able to have the socializing that you crave and that you need? What have you been doing? How are you dealing with that? Is that affecting you? It is affecting me and it's, it's hard. I'm really, really lucky. My partner is my best friend in my life and we were friends for 25 years before we got together. And so I am a little bit in, you know, COVID quarantine with my friend. So we have a lot of fun. Um, and I've also been doing like Zoom cocktail parties and reconnecting with people who I haven't seen in a long time, which I love mm-hmm. that. Um, and I would say that my family, you know, because I have a blended family and that becomes kind of our social bubble as it were. Yeah. There's some socializing there in a safe way, you know, yeah. and then go up here in Sacramento, have a big backyard. And so with, with just a few people, we have practiced social distance, like where I've got, we pull out the long table, you know, and yeah. so we have, you know, that we're over 10 feet away from each other, but people can come over and we like sterilize it. You know, we have a whole system that we use. So certainly done that. <laughs> yeah. That's so great that you have a backyard that enables you to do that. I know, I know. And I'm really negative about Sacramento a lot of the time as my tell you. <laughs> I'm someone who loves New York City and I really actually like Los Angeles as well. And I love a big city. So um, this city is not a big city and I feel it every day. But that aspect, we do have a backyard. I know. I'm like, if we were back in New York again, it would be like, you know, there is no backyard. There is no place for that. Um yeah, I've been experiencing that too because I'm used to doing like improv shows all the time, right? And like not having that has been like, it's been so shitty. Like, I mean, and and my fiance, he's also a UCB performer and we're both like, what do we do? And like, we've tried to do some Zoom ones, but it's like truly not the same as a live audience. No, I just no. miss live theater and I'm just waiting for it to be back um so it, it seems like using your well from what I've experienced of you you use your authentic voice to to um uh, aspire other people to do the same like when I was in a workshop with you I felt very much like empowered to use my authentic voice um and to use my own personal creativity how do you make sure that like you're in line with your authentic voice and that you know what it's saying and that, yeah. And like you're saying what you mean and meaning what you say. I think, I think that's where self doubt it becomes powerful because your self doubt is the thing. If you can be like real confidence, I think is saying to yourself, calling yourself out on being authentic, like calling yourself out and calling yourself, like, are you saying this to 
impress people, do to you know whatever. And so I always try to listen to my self doubt to to be calling myself out, like really saying, you know, is the reason I'm doing this for attention. For example, you know, as an extrovert, I think that there's always that side of it, right? And there's always the performer in you. And I, I definitely try to ask myself, what's real, right? What is real? What did you do for, for this, for attention? Like, be really clear with myself. That's what I try to do when I have self-doubt. I don't try to push it away. I try to use it. Ooh, that's big. When do you feel most confident in your life? Honestly, when me and Bernie Telsey are walking into a production, uh, into a casting. I love that. Confident when I walk into, but when me and Bernie are together, I do think that there's something about our personal um, chemistry and friendship and, and the different ways we approach the job that together we just get buoyed by that. Like we really have a lot of fun when we walk into a, a director session together. Do you feel like having a support system is helpful in developing confidence? Like having people that, that lift you up? Oh, definitely. I think you definitely do. And that's why I always encourage people to, um, keep looking for those mentors in life mm. and to those relationships. I know how important they have been to me. I mean, I was in college and my dean like made me promise him I'd move to New York because he said I was going to make it. And that conversation was so overwhelming in the moment to have, but I cannot tell you how many days, because there's dark days in New York, right? There's always going to be a dark day. There's Jobs that end that you don't want them to end. You know, there's things that happen. And I have heard those words uh, more than just that one day he actually said them. I've heard them throughout my life. And um, I rely on those words because he was someone I really respected. And he, I felt seen by him. Mm. You know, and so that is an important that's one of most my most important relationships in my life. And I would say Bernie is the same way. I felt seen by him. Mm. And I continue to feel seen by him. And I continue to be called out by him mm. and and supported. And I do the same. You know, we, we have that. We're really lucky. And I'd say that, that that's with a lot of the staff at Telsey & Company. And I um, anyway, I, I believe that mentorship is one of the most important relationships you can have as an artist. Mm. That's huge. That's, yeah, that's such a big, that's such a big one. Did you ever give a piece of advice or receive a piece of advice that like really stuck with you? You know what? This is so lame. You're going to hate it. You're gonna... <laughs> but honestly, and this is so funny because the irony is that when I really first started hearing it, it was always for stuff that I really did not want to do, which is, you know, when you start an acting program and you do the kind of like very silly improv games at the beginning, yeah. like something called journey to excellence or something like this. <laughs> yeah. And it ends up doing like a Herman's head type thing, you know, like, cause everyone's so 
literal and it's always or like you're making an animal together yes, yes. you know these things playing mirror that kind yeah. of massage circles and all that yeah stuff. that's the stuff in drama school that I really hated um but it's always during that stuff that your teacher tells you to say yes and it's just I, I mean I know why they tell you because you don't want to say yes you know you don't want to and I think that I, while I did not enjoy those, the process of those games, but I did engage in them. I did say yes, and I got through it. And sometimes something cool would happen. Sometimes it wouldn't. (laughs) It was awkward or bad or whatever it was. But I think that's the best advice I ever got. And I think I remind myself of that to say yes, because it's very easy in casting, I think, to say no mm. and so, so I true. I remind myself say yes say That's... yes to, to thinking outside the box say yes to watching something you don't really want to watch say say yes to you know a, a pitch by an agent when you're really Sometimes don't want to, you know, because it's easy enough to not. Mm-hmm. And um, so I would just say, say yes to projects that scare you. Mm-hmm. Say yes to, you know. So I guess that's the best. Yeah. yeah, I relate to that. I was I studied in New York and I was like, I'm a classically trained thespian. I'm not going to do comedy. I'm not going to do improv. And then I had to do it for a class. And I fell in love with it. And I was like, oh, wait a second. I'm a comedian. I had no idea because the whole time I, would, I poo-pooed it, you know, like, I need to do mammoth. I don't need to do, I don't need to go and pretend I'm a duck or whatever. And I did it and I said yes to it and I didn't want to. And now it's like the love of my life, which is just a testament to that. A lot of people is that you, it's kind of like that, it's that eighty-five fifteen. The minute you stop deciding this is what's perfect for me because the truth is you don't know. I mean, life is a process. How can you know? You have to say yes. <laughs> you have to. Um, how do you, how do you deal with like artistic conflict at work? If, if people are, if you're butting heads about something, how do you yeah. manage that? Um, I try to listen to the director and the producer, whoever is disagreeing with me, I try to kind of like the same work I did when I was an assistant director. I'd always try to get into my director's head so that I sort of could anticipate their needs. And um, I try to kind of do the same thing so that even if I disagree, I understand their vision and um, that's kind of how I deal with it is, and, and sometimes it can be, um, still painful, you know, still, especially when you're dealing with, you know, things that are very sensitive, like, um, stereotypes and just things that you don't really, that you may like very fundamentally not believe in. Um, but I try to remember I'm collaborating. I'm collaborating with a great artist that has a point of view and I'm trying to sort of, you know, 
understand that and that is my job Mm -hmm. to cast you know not to to impose my vision on another artist my my art is collaborative Mm -hmm. and so that kind of allows me even if it goes a different way than I would have done to have respect for the process still Mm -hmm. continue and potentially become a fan of someone that I previously you know was not a fan of yeah. Man, process is so big, but I it's not it's not something that I've that I usually think about this much. Like the fact that believing in the process really does give you confidence. Believing believing in the process and believing in yourself. That's that that's so big. I haven't talked about that at all in any of my interviews is belief in the process. Well, I think what it does is it it allows you to risk. And once you get to that feeling, and it's like sort of like with auditioning, once you really realize that what we, what the director wants, what the producer wants, what, what the casting director wants is for you to come in and show me what you think will be good, that you're not trying to figure out what it is we want. You're not trying to book a job. You are trying to actually bring your artistry and your voice to something and your authenticity to it, you see like a huge difference and, and people call that confidence. But I actually think it's believing in the process because you are, you can't have all the answers. You've had two days with the material. You can't, you, you, but what you need to have is a process. And so I think a lot of actors come out of drama school and they want to forget about the process. They want to start booking. They want to start working. And they don't really, it takes time to realize that, no, the actual thing that you just paid money for is your process. Yeah. And it's like, it's like switching that frame of mind from like results oriented to process oriented. Yeah. Well, and there's so much fear when you are auditioning and, and you are only going to be successful if there's a specific result because you're really basically kind of almost guaranteeing that you're not going to have that. So that's terrible. That's a horrible feeling. Like there's so much out of your control in getting cast as an actor, right? There's so much. And, And people try to control it. They try to like how many people, you know, one of the main questions people ask me, when I teach is how many actors do you see for a role? And I always say, how does that help you? That doesn't help you prepare at all. You don't actually want to know the answer to that question. (laughs) (laughs) You don't because it's not a numbers game. It's not, it isn't, um, it doesn't, it's literally has nothing to do with what will help you book it. But, but people want to get savvy about that. And they want to, no, okay, well, what happens in a callback? And what happens? And sometimes I'm like, uh, you read it again. There's not, it, you know, it's, every process is different. And so it's all about your process. You having it, you having a way that you can leave an audition and feel fulfilled and that you had fun and that it was, you know, great experience and leaving that. And then hopefully you get the job, but that doesn't, that's still a successful audition in your mind. Yeah. Yeah. And that's such a wonderful thing about the arts, right? Is like our ability to 
to live in that like that process oriented mind because I feel like at least in America right now it's like it's a very results oriented country right it's like a very capitalistic results oriented I mean we're brought up in school to be results or at least I was to be results oriented so I guess I just feel so lucky that we're in the arts and we get to put more um, emphasis and importance on the process versus the result. Okay, my last question, do you have a memorable moment of confidence, of success, not in the results sense, but success in yourself and your authenticity, whether it's work-related or personal-related? Yeah, because you know what? I, I do have a moment. Well, this moment for me was extraordinary in a lot of ways. Um, but because it, it, it also, well, because I think that everyone who starts out in acting, who finds their path to someplace else, feels that everyone else thinks they gave up. Right? They gave up on acting. And even though I don't feel that's what I did, there's still that little bit of you that's like, did you? Did you? And because I think all of us go to drama school because we think we're good, right? You right. know, and I, I felt I was good, you know, and I got feedback I was good. It was like, why was I switching? Why was I changing? Did I just think, you know, the closer I get to professional um, a professional career, the more my looks are going to stop me because I'm out of an education. I mean, maybe I thought that, I don't know. And maybe I recognize that this is going to be, you know, I don't know. I, I had, I still probably had that brain of doubt in me, you know, and then I cast a movie called um, Rachel Getting Married with Jonathan Demme, who I'm a huge fan of, was a huge fan of and felt very, very excited to get to work with and we did a big day of auditions and it was sort of like old school theater style is what he called it. We're like, we were improving and actors were given like a packet of sides and we'd be switching characters all the time. And of course I read with the actors and Jonathan was even Tiffany get up in the space and we're doing improv and all this stuff. And it was like a day of drama school. It was really fun. I had a great time. We cast so many of my favorite actors in every, like down to the one line parts. It was like a dream day, a dream dream day. And we had put up all the pictures of, you know, the actors. And on the subway ride home that night, I was just like flying high. And I got off the subway and I had a voicemail from Jonathan Demi, basically saying that he thought I was a brilliant actor and I had to be in the movie. And it was long. And I was like blown away. I couldn't believe I was getting this feedback on my acting from Jonathan Demme and but what was the best moment of confidence for me is that I was like hell no I am so proud of the cast we put together I don't want to take Quincy Tyler Bernstein's picture off the wall and put mine in there I am so proud of every single person we put in that, that movie that I can't I, I'm proud of that that's what I do and yes, that's very flattering to be told I'm a good actor, but like at the end of the day, this is not what I want to do. I'm doing what I want to do and it's casting. 
And so that was a huge moment because that was the moment where if that little actor inside of me was secretly wanting to be discovered or whatever, I would have felt very fulfilled by that. And I would have been so excited to say, oh my gosh, Jonathan wants me in the movie, Bernie, can I be in the movie, you know, or whatever. Um, But I did not feel that. And I, and so that moment was a, a huge moment for me because that really just put to rest that little tiny voice inside of you that I think everybody who's in the arts that isn't maybe doing the thing that they started out to do, you know, and, and Rebecca, that absolutely just reinforced my belief in the process because my life has been a process to get to do what I want, which is casting, which I didn't even hear of as a job when I first started. That's incredible. That's such an important moment. I hope, I hope everybody gets to have a moment like that. Oh, it was crazy. I mean, how crazy is that that happened to me? I am so blessed. I'm so lucky. I, I, and I'm really aware of that luck. <laughs> yeah, but also that's like big to know too. Like knowing that you're like just having that gratitude for the experiences that you've had. It's crazy. I'm lucky. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm from Sacramento. No one in my family is in the arts. There was no path to what I have now. And I'm really, really grateful. That, yeah, and that's a whole nother thing too, right? Is like not having, not to say your family wasn't supportive because I'm sure they were, but like a lot of people whose families aren't in the arts, not having that support is also like, I'm sure it's very rampant. Um, so yeah, that, that's so important. Okay, I'm going to read back my notes for Tiffany's tips for confidence. Um, you can correct me if I'm wrong for any of these, but this is what I've been jotting down. Okay, true belief in process. Don't be afraid of being wrong. At a certain point, you have to stop caring. Develop a strong work ethic. Know your wants and prioritize them. Preparation. Don't focus on the negative 85-15 rule. Acceptance. Know what's in your control. Everything is a learning experience. Socialize. Have an inner dialogue with yourself. Listen to your self-doubt. Be comfortable calling yourself out mentorship, a good support system, say yes, and belief in the process to allow you to take risks. And gratitude. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you doing this. Um, Yeah, it's been such a treat. Yes, great to see you too. Thanks for asking me. Of course. Thanks for listening to this episode of How the Fuck Did You Get So Confident? I'd love to hear from listeners about things that have helped you build your confidence, whether that's a mantra, a routine, maybe a favorite book or an event that you went through, leave it in the review section. Or if you have a question regarding confidence that you'd love to hear discussed on this podcast, you can leave that in the review section as well and I'll check it out. Thanks again.